I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Not out here on the range. It's high noon for Friday, April 30th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can occasionally find me on Gab at I'm your moderator. I'll eventually be on Frank Speech at Chris Paul. And you can check out my completely decimated by Teespring merch store at www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the hundredth full day of Barack Obama's third term. As served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. The patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. Yes, I am talking about Professor Hunter Biden. So congratulations, communists. You wanted to show the whole world how offended you are and how moral you are. And so you started a fourth Reich. Now, a warm Friday, high noon welcome to all the redeemable communists out there who might be listening to this. I know it wasn't your intention to inadvertently join a hate movement and bring Nazism to America, but you did. The good part is we've already defeated it for you. So all you need to do is understand what you did, understand how you got there, and then just make amends. It's easy. And if you really want a full understanding of it, listen to today's episode. I'm going to mock and ridicule you, but only because you deserve it for your very stupid and evil beliefs. And then go right on back to last year. Listen to the essay episodes. They have special titles. Then start listening to High Noon. And I guarantee you it won't take very long before you are an American again. And then your life will only improve. And on a serious note, I actually believe this and I'm going to be writing about this and whatever. But I think that a lot of people's depression and anxiety stems from how far detached they are from the real world. You know, you can see real things happening around you. You can see the way people interact. And it's not hard to see how much the information you take in as a consumer of the central narrative, how much that information doesn't reflect reality at all. And so in the mindset in this commie mindset, this is mostly an Obama and Romney thing because they are so committed to ascending within the party of false decorum that they will force themselves to believe all sorts of things they know aren't true. 
And that separation between the actual reality that you cannot deny and then the false reality that you are committed to maintaining in your head, that space in there, that's depression and anxiety. So the truth is just by reconnecting yourself to reality and letting go of all the silly beliefs you know don't hold true, you're going to feel a hell of a lot better. It really is just better to be a free American, exercising personal liberty, actually taking responsibility for your intellectual and moral decision-making. Now, it's Friday, and I want to spend this making fun of communists for their completely delusional conspiracy theories. Okay. And it's time we start calling all of this what it is. It's conspiracy theorism. They are straight up making things up. They make the stories super elaborate. We already know for a fact these stories aren't true and they can't even support them on their side. They don't care. So let's start with one of the biggest Russian collusion hoaxers, Rachel Maddow. At this benchmark, how is the other side doing? Because today also marks 100 days since the Republican Party has been completely out of power in Washington. How are they coping? How are they building back? Well, here's the lead in the front page A1 story in the Washington Post tonight. Quote, more than five months after the 2020 presidential election and after numerous failed attempts to overturn the results, former President Donald Trump has seized on a new avenue to try to call the election outcome into question. A hand recount of more than two million ballots cast in Arizona's largest county. Several advisors said the former president has become fixated on the unorthodox process underway in Phoenix, where the Republican-led state Senate took ballots and voting equipment from Maricopa County and turned them over to a private contractor called Cyber Ninjas, a contractor whose chief executive has echoed Trump's baseless claims that the election was fraudulent. Ensconced at his private club in Florida, the former president asks staffers and aides for updates about the process multiple times a day, advisors said. He has expressed particular interest in the use of UV lights to scrutinize the ballots, a method that has bewildered election experts. Quote, he talks about it constantly, said one person who recently visited Mar-a-Lago and listened to Trump discuss the recount for about 45 minutes. 100 days. This is how that part of our politics is coping. The former president, twice impeached, twice impeached, ousted after one term, now under scrutiny in multiple criminal investigations, whose first personal lawyer already went to prison for a felony that the Justice Department said the president was implicated in, and whose second personal lawyer had his home and office raided by the Justice Department yesterday. That former president, who is still the unchallenged leader of the Republican Party, why would you need a fresh one? He is reportedly, according to people meeting with him, obsessing, obsessing, about UV lights being shined on ballots in Arizona. All right. So that's quite a narrative she's concocting for herself. Donald Trump, you know, the stupid, insane person. And that's what she's communicating to her audience, of course, because they have all agreed that everybody knows Donald Trump is very stupid and very crazy and a total egomaniac. So Donald Trump is down there in Mar-a-Lago, although he's 
actually in New Jersey right now, I think. She doesn't know that, of course, because she doesn't actually do journalism or talk to anybody who knows anything. But she's trying to paint Donald Trump as some deranged, sore loser who is obsessed with this last-ditch, crazy effort by the cyber ninjas to prove that he really won. Again, this is the tactic. She's not trying to explain how the cyber ninjas won't find anything because, of course, she can't say that. The cyber ninjas are going to find overwhelming evidence of election fraud, and Donald Trump knows that. Second, the Washington Post is one of the nation's leading sources of fake news. There is absolutely no way the Washington Post talked to anyone in Trump's inner circle who has spent time with him at Mar-a-Lago. If they did, they would name the person. If someone at Mar-a-Lago is actually talking to the, to the Washington Post, you gotta think that Trump knows and wants that. I mean, they are just publishing utter nonsense. And then Rachel Maddow thinks it's like weird that Donald Trump would talk about this recount for 45 minutes. Rachel Maddow has now talked about this recount for 45 minutes. She does 10 minutes a night on this thing now. Why? Panic. That's why nothing could be more obvious. And she still just goes deeper and deeper down into it. And now you could also hear her switching the narrative. And I'm going to connect this with the Rudy stuff later. But this is a new thing for the Democrats. They constantly say twice impeached and ousted after one term. Okay. First of all, both of the impeachments were utter nonsense. The first impeachment was a result of something Joe and Hunter Biden did that was being investigated by Rudy Giuliani. The Uniparty did not want that investigation out because it would crush Joe Biden if we had a responsible media. And so to stop that, they made up a call, lied about the call, and impeached Donald Trump about the call. Turns out there was a transcript of the call, and the transcript makes it quite clear that their premise for the impeachment was nonsense. In addition, at the time the impeachment happened, the FBI was already in possession of Hunter Biden's laptop. And on that laptop is evidence of the exact thing that Trump had Rudy investigating. And that is Joe and Hunter Biden selling out the interests of America to our foreign adversaries for money. That's impeachment number one. Impeachment number two, they tried him for inciting insurrection for an incident at the Capitol that they intentionally failed to protect, then intentionally caused the violence there through Antifa and their other little groups. 
and then intentionally lied about it. Jamie Raskin, Friar Cuck, in the impeachment, he's got the whole Brian Sicknick fire extinguisher story. Well, turns out that story is 100% false. They said it was a very deadly insurrection. Turns out not one Trump supporter is responsible for anyone's death. One Trump supporter was killed by a police officer whose name they're hiding and who they're not pursuing for punishment and whose life was not threatened. He shot a woman because she was climbing through a door. Right? So, again, we have two sham impeachments, and this is something that they're trying to hold over his head as if he was so bad. Oh, he's been impeached twice. Well, yeah, he was impeached twice by a majority Democrat House and a collection of idiots. So, what difference does that make? The same people impeaching Trump are the ones that don't care about Hunter Biden's actual history of criminality. Real, provable shit. He is a felon right now who should be in prison. But they don't care about that. Send him on Jimmy Kimmel. Promote his book. Pay him $3 million for the book and then sell 11,000 copies. Does that make sense to anyone? Of course not. So then she says he's ousted after one term. Well, yes, except by fraud and cheating. And pretty much everybody knows that by this point. Another Rasmussen poll came out. Now only 48% of the country believes that Joe Biden was legitimately elected. I have a feeling it's actually much lower than that. And I've talked about this on here before. But we're like, no matter what, this is probably three weeks or maybe even a month since the most recent time I've seen them poll this. And it went another one point in the right direction. It's not amazing. But I have a feeling that's probably fairly low. And this is the sort of question people don't particularly like answering because if they answer it honestly, someone's going to call them a conspiracy theorist and say that they're repeating the big lie and now they're a domestic terrorist. So I imagine there are a lot of people out there disinclined to tell the truth about Joe Biden's illegitimacy. So then she brings up Michael Cohen, who famously had absolutely nothing on Trump and was himself just a fool and a fraud. And then she brings up Giuliani, this FBI raid, and she is trying to actually imply Rudy's guilt of something just based on the fact that the FBI raided his apartment. And then using that, she's trying to imply that Donald Trump is actually in danger of being charged criminally with something. And that's simply not true. She has been running that line for five years now, and it hasn't paid off once. Not once has anyone found anything on Donald Trump. They even did the whole tax thing. Remember how many times they freaked out? about his taxes coming out. They did it once in the 2016 campaign. She got a hold of a couple of pages. Went nowhere. Did it again, not too long ago. And where did that go? Also nowhere. They have found nothing on Donald Trump. They can't even describe 
what crime they're claiming he might have committed. They just know he's guilty. And so they encourage a Justice Department to act in the same way. Hey, we don't actually know what this investigation is going to be about. But the thing is, we know they're guilty. This is Banana Republic shit. Okay. And you can see why the socialists support this idea so much. And you can see how socialist nations and communist nations always go in this direction. It's because they have convinced themselves that they are right about what the state needs to do. And everyone else needs to just either agree or not stand in their way. If you speak up against it, well, then you're the enemy. And so then anything we can do to make sure you're not able to disrupt our grand plan is justified. And so they have no problem using the Department of Justice in unconstitutional ways to target private American citizens and people's personal attorneys. So all of this, she is setting up this narrative that Donald Trump is this deranged weirdo staying in his house like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Aviator once shit gets weird. Boy, the future. Boy, the future. Boy, the future. The way the future. Way of the future. That's not what Donald Trump is doing. He's busy figuring out every single way to demolish the Democrat Communist Party. And by the way, he's doing a pretty damn good job of it. Every candidate he endorses is immediately the favorite in their race. All over the country, people on our team are taking action in their communities to enact America first agendas. Donald Trump is beating them six ways from Sunday and Donald Trump doesn't even get the joy of being the official president. But of course that doesn't exist in Rachel Maddow world. Donald Trump is just a deranged weirdo sitting at home. Loving conspiracy theories rubbing his hands together while he talks about the Arizona audit. And isn't it amazing how much they focus on these names, how much they focus on cyber ninjas? Like, is that that weird a name? I mean, I guess it's kind of like little kid comic book shit, you know? Yeah, fine, it's weird. But it's not worse than calling yourself the Transition Integrity Project. And then outlining how to steal an election and how the media should be complicit in that usurpation of the White House. The Transition Integrity Project is a completely dystopian name. The Cyber Ninjas is a little silly. They're trying to be cute. That's not even on the same page. What about Defeat Disinfo? Stanley McChrystal's organization where they employ DARPA created tactics that they used on ISIS against American citizens to make sure that they win the propaganda war. That's what we have. So defeat disinfo is actually an anti-terrorist propaganda operation and the transition integrity project 
teaches you how to steal an election. So those names are the opposite of what the organization is. But there's no problem there because those are serious words. And Cyber Ninjas is not a serious name. (laughs) I guess that means they're not good at their work. And so then she starts going off about the UV light thing, which she apparently has taken no time to understand. It honestly, it, it shocks me that these people think so little of their audience and don't believe that they have any responsibility to actually try to equip them with information. It's just pithy jokes and saying phrases over and over again. Like, if Rachel Maddow does not know what they're using the UV lights for, she could find out. She goes off about Jovan Pulitzer's methods, his search for kinematic artifacts. And she even talks about the folds in the ballots. She's like, well, they're looking to see if early votes had folds in them. But not all early votes do have folds. Okay, Rachel, stick with that then, right? If that's what you believe, if that's what you feel comfortable telling your child-brained communist audience, good, go with that. It's just going to hurt more when you find out you're wrong about something you didn't have to be wrong about. Like, this is the thing I never understand. Like, why not just try for full information on that side and then still try to defeat the case? That's fine. Figure out a way that you want to say that the elect that the uh, election audit is somehow invalid. Prove that it's unnecessary. Prove that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. Tell your audience about all the things that appear in the Navarro report, for instance. Go on out. Tell your audience, oh, these crazy people think that this many dead people voted, but I can prove that that's not true, and here's how. Except she can't do that because she can't prove that's not true because it is true. And she simply doesn't care. And so, of course, her audience, people who are actually dumber than she and her writers are, they lap this stuff up and then they go repeat it to people. And they think being able to repeat it all word for word and understand the nuances of how she makes fun of these things actually substitutes for knowledge. These people believe that they are smart without knowing the first thing about the subject they're discussing. How stupid is that? Like, and again, I'm not saying this merely to insult or ridicule these communists. This is actual stupidity in action. And maybe someday these people will snap out of it and not be so stupid anymore. But this is as stupid as stupid gets. Okay. These people aren't mentally handicapped. But the IQ that they're actually putting to use is certainly in the mid double digits at this point. Imagine thinking you were a genius about a subject you can't explain. Isn't it incredible? She is leaving her audience fully unprepared to actually deal with the real world. And she's pushing them further and further into this paranoia, into this false reality. And it is going to come crashing down on their heads. 
And by the way, what exactly would be weird about Donald Trump paying attention to this process that is really happening in the real world and will have a huge impact on the country that he was elected twice to govern? That's not weird at all. Donald Trump could have done whatever he needed to do to maintain power in a legal, constitutional way. He chose another path. Now the country is waking up. What sort of president would Donald Trump be if he wasn't paying attention to that? So that clip goes on for like another eight minutes, and I'm not going to subject you to that. But we were just talking about Michael Cohen and Rudy Giuliani. So here's this. Now, yesterday, Mediaite wrote this up, and this brand of news is so strange to me. Like all these new uh, clickbait sites and aggregators, like sometimes it's convenient and I appreciate it. But this is what so much of journalism is now. They see what somebody tweeted or they watch an appearance on television and then they'll write a whole article about it, even though they can just show the tweet or show the video. They're like, hey, here's what happened on TV. And also, here's the clip of the TV. But you should really watch the thing and read our summary of it. Like, what? Why are you writing this article? We can just watch the thing. But this is so much of what internet journalism is now. Anyway, this article is about how Michael Cohen appeared on CNN with Allison Camerota. And he was talking about Rudy Giuliani. And so here are some quotes from this article. He got some real trouble coming down the pike, Cohen said. I can assure you on that one. Cohen believes the search warrant executed by federal authorities on Wednesday will bear fruit and end up incriminating Trump. There's going to be a ton of stuff, Cohen said. I'm certain of it. There's going to be a ton of documentation and there's going to be a bunch of tweets and a bunch of texts and a bunch of God knows what else that they end up obtaining from these devices. Do you think that Donald Trump is scared today? Camerata asked Cohen. I know so, the former Trump attorney replied. Rudy knows that he has trouble. I think Donald understands that Rudy will provide whatever information he has to because Rudy has no interest in going to prison and spending the golden years of his life behind bars. That I'm certain of. Oh, really, Michael Cohen? You have inside knowledge to Rudy Giuliani's thinking? The guy that took down the five families in New York? That guy, one of the most famed prosecutors in history, that guy, you know his thinking right now. And you know that Rudy is going to turn on Donald Trump because he wants a comfortable set of golden years. This is comically stupid. I mean, Michael Cohen is a proven liar about everything. He has never once been right about the things he says in terms of taking down Donald Trump. Tucker did this great expose on him like, I don't know, maybe it's almost a year ago now. I don't think it's that long. Anyway, he did these segments on these phone calls between Chris Cuomo and Michael Cohen, where Chris Cuomo was coaching Michael Cohen what to say. Michael Cohen seems like one of the dumbest guys on earth. 
But consider this in context, right? They're clearly going after Rudy and they're using Rudy to go after Trump. They've done this a bunch of times. Same playbook. Make up some crime to cover up an actual crime on your side. Then attach it to Russia, find some little players, and then you set up this whole story where it's like there's so much going on. Someone has to be guilty of something. And that's how they ran the Russian collusion hoax. That's how they ran the Mueller investigation. That's how they ran both of the sham impeachments. That's how they did everything. And they're just doing it again. They get these devices. Everybody assumes that Rudy has no idea something like this is coming and just leaves his communications out in the open. They have broken into his iCloud, so they actually can get communications that might have something to do with Trump from that impeachment period, and that's what they're going after. Why are they concerned about doing this again? Is there a new crime? Is there a new threat? No, of course not. And no one with two brain cells actually thinks that Donald Trump did something wrong that warranted that first impeachment at this point. And certainly none of these prosecutors do. Like, we have to stop pretending that this is a difference of opinion and that they just think something differently. That's not what this is. They know the truth the same way I'm saying it to you right now. They have a different agenda. They're not protecting the country. They're not solving crimes. That's not what this is about. They're providing a distraction, and a smokescreen, and something that will make it seem like Donald Trump is the bad guy and that Joe and Hunter Biden weren't doing anything wrong. Why are they doing this? Well, of course, it's in anticipation of what's coming. And recall that article in the New York Times a couple weeks ago where they're setting up the thing with the John Durham investigation and the Brookings Institute's role in that. They are pre-setting narratives that they are planning to use later. Right now, they are busy trying to repaint Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump as criminals. Of course, it's not going to work, but they're going to try it. And again, you can hear Rachel Maddow using these narratives to try to also slime the Arizona audit. So what this is, is Donald Trump and his criminal cabal all believing in very dangerous QAnon conspiracies. So when the election audit turns up exactly what we all know it'll turn up, they have all these different things set up on how they can dispute it and demean it and delegitimize it in the minds of rock-dumb, child-brained communists. Is it going to work? Of course not. How do I know that? Because they're O for 10,000. And they're not going to ever get to one. <laughs> There's a greater likelihood that Rachel Maddow will be in prison than there is that she unearthed something on Donald Trump that's real. And so let's switch to America's other favorite conspiracy theorist. And of course, I'm talking about real life Nazi doctor, Anthony Fauci. I'll tell you a story. 
I walked to pick up my little girl at the bus stop yesterday after the CDC recommendations came out. I took off my mask. I waited for her. There was no one else around. She got off the bus with her little mask on. She had to wear her mask. I didn't on the walk home. Now, I don't know Savannah Guthrie, but that sounds like child abuse. Also, are you retarded? You made your child wear a mask on the walk home with you, the child's parent. Does that make any sense? What did you do once you got home? Did your child continue to wear the mask at home? Do you make your child wear a mask at home while your face is just naked, just out there for the world to see? But your child wears the mask at home. Is that what you're saying, Savannah Guthrie? Because it sounds like you might be retarded. Imagine making your child wear a mask on a walk home outside with you fully vaccinated because the CDC's rules say so. You are the worst parent who ever lived. When are kids going to be able to take off those masks and play outside at the playground? Children absolutely should not be wearing masks under any circumstances. This is insanity. Children almost never get the virus and pretty much never die or have any negative health consequences from it. This is deranged. You know, that's going to be the same thing that I mentioned a moment ago. It's going to be a situation. Well, first of all, kids will ultimately wind up getting vaccinated, but you want to have some activity in that direction before they do. High school kids will likely get vaccinated as we get into the fall term and children of any age will likely be vaccinated by the time we get to the end of the year. But let's not talk about the end of the year. Let's talk about the immediate or intermediate future. Got that? Anthony Fauci wants all high school age kids vaccinated by the fall and wants all little kids vaccinated by the end of the year. That is so, so sick. Literally evil sick, that kind of sick. How do they know that these are going to be safe? For kids, they have no idea. They're just testing them because they're finding parents who are big enough commies that they will actually put their child on the altar of scientism and let the Nazi doctor poke it. What kind of world are we living in? These are straight up communists, okay? They care more about the state and about adhering to the slogans of the state than they do about their own babies. They are literally putting their babies up for experimentation by the Nazi doctor, Anthony Fauci, who somehow these commies are still dumb enough to listen to. Like how many times do you need to be lied to directly? Just naked dishonesty. 
saying the exact opposite of the thing you said before and not even providing good reasons on why you changed your mind. Oh, well, the science is different now. It's going to be at least two more years before the FDA actually approves any of these vaccines. And under an emergency use authorization, the Nazi doctor is trying to convince the entire world to forcefully vaccinate their little children. His job, ostensibly, is saving lives. He says that's what his job is. He has no idea whether or not he's just compromising them. And you can say it's hyperbolic all you want, but there is a strong chance that Anthony Fauci will go down in history being responsible for more intentional death than anyone in history. I've been saying that for a year, and that was before the vaccine thing even started. This is horrifying stuff. When children are out in the community, when you have 30, 40, 50,000 new infections per day, they, they are unvaccinated now because children can't get vaccinated now. And for that reason, they are more at risk of getting infected because they are out in the community where there is a lot of infection. When the community level starts to go way down, the risks to everybody, including the children, is going to be dramatically diminished. So now, according to Anthony Fauci, and this is contrary to all available evidence in the entire world, children are at risk of spread and then transmitting the infection, according to Anthony Fauci. Again, that hasn't happened anywhere in the world. In many parts of the world, schools stayed open the whole time, and there were no instances of a student infecting a teacher a student infecting the other students or a teacher infecting the students. It's just not happening. So whatever your idea about the virus is, that's wrong. Okay. Because it doesn't work that way in the real world and it has not, and there is not any proof of it anywhere. And he's worried about children because they're unvaccinated. There has been no cause for justification of worrying about children the entire time, regardless of their vaccination status. But isn't it a weird situation because I'm not fully vaccinated yet. I can take off my mask and walk home. She can't. Like, aren't, doesn't that just point up that these CDC guidelines, there's some kind of disconnect if that's the situation? Okay, so now apparently the CDC is too ridiculous and too dumb for even Savannah Guthrie. Well, yeah, what you're pointing out, what you're referring to, Savannah, is the top two uh, not fully vaccinated that people can go out without masks if you walk, run with members of your household. And by the way, just so you know, if you were watching this video, you can actually see Fauci reading the chart because he has no idea what it actually says. So he's trying to figure out the scenario she's talking about and then compare it to the chart and then answer it from that. You know, like a doctor does. Attend a small outdoor gathering, fully vaccinated with friends. Then after that, everything has a mask on it, as you're showing correctly now on the screen. So what you're asking, if you are on the left-hand part and you see unvaccinated people, walk outdoors with members of your household. And you're asking now if 
your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, beat it to death. Yeah. Got to make sure she's following the rules. Wouldn't want to do something like, say, use your own brain. Do some thinking about what you know about life and then compare it to the thing that the Nazi doctor is saying. And then at that point, if there is some inconsistency between those two and you decide to go with the Nazi doctor... You should probably have your child taken away by Child Protective Services. You know, like that NPR lawyer thinks about Trump supporters. Because their thoughts are so dangerous for the child. But Savannah Guthrie actually sounds mentally unequipped to be able to physically protect her child from anything. Now, a friend of mine sent me an article today, and it's up on the info stream on Telegram, t.me slash I'm your moderator, and it's from Johns Hopkins, hopkinsmedicine.org. You can find this. Study suggests medical errors now third leading cause of death in the United States, and that was in 2016. I bet it's gone up. But the point is, what does that tell you? That medical errors are the third leading cause of death that we should listen to the doctors all the time and never question them because they have an MD in front of their name or PhD or just DR like Dr. Jill or Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil actually might be more of a doctor than Jill Biden. But honestly, medical error, third leading cause of death in the United States. And we're just supposed to listen to them about everything. Are we going to just pretend that they're always right, but that also somehow them messing up is the third leading cause of death? Now, April 24th, one week ago, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons wrote an open letter from physicians to universities, allow students back without COVID vaccine, without COVID vaccine mandate. Now, Wikipedia calls the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons a politically conservative or ultra-conservative group, and its positions are unorthodox and at wide variance with federal health policy. Knowing what we know, seeing what we see now, is there anything bad about being at wide variance with federal health policy? No, there's not. Federal health policy is quite obviously a disaster. We can hear Rachel Walensky, or I'm sorry, Rochelle Walensky, say just about anything, and you can know the CDC is a disaster. And then you can listen to the Nazi doctor who runs the NIAID and is Joe Biden's go to guy for everything coronavirus. Public health on the federal level is awful. Likewise, The public health community on local levels is awful. So these people being disrespected by those people, just fine with me. Let's hear what they have to say, since they actually have footnoted this and have references. And a real doctor is the one who wrote it. 
On behalf of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, I am writing to ask you to reconsider your new policy mandating COVID-19 vaccination of students prior to returning to campus. Institutions of higher learning are divided on this issue. Although at first glance, the policy may seem prudent, it coerces students into bearing unneeded and unknown risk and is at heart contrary to the bedrock medical principle of informed consent. There are multiple reasons to reverse your policy. I ask you to consider the following. Young adults are a healthy and immunologically competent and vibrant group that is at, quote, extraordinarily low risk for COVID-19 morbidity and mortality. College and university students, however, are under significant mental health strain already from COVID-19 fears, circumstances, distance learning problems, and the imposition of government health policy restrictions. Even though the FDA granted emergency use authorization for three COVID-19 vaccines, they are not FDA approved to treat, cure, or prevent any disease at this time. Clinical trials will continue for at least two years before the FDA can even consider approval of these vaccines as effective and safe. The COVID-19 vaccines on the market in the U.S., mRNA, Moderna and Pfizer, and DNA, Johnson and Johnson, Janssen, have caused notable side effects, pathology, and even death. Over 2,300 deaths per the VAERS as of April 20th, 2021. These adverse reactions result in absence from school and work, hospital visits, and even loss of life. College-age women may be at unique risk for adverse events following administration of the experimental COVID vaccinations currently available. According to the CDC, all cases of life-threatening blood clots subsequent to receiving the J&J vaccine reported so far in the United States occurred in younger women. The vast majority of cases of uh, anaphylaxis have also occurred in women. In addition, women are reporting having irregular menstrual cycles after getting the coronavirus vaccine. And 95 miscarriages have been reported to the U.S. Vaccine Adverse Effect Reporting System following COVID-19 vaccination as of April 24th, 2021. Imagine that. 95 pregnant mothers have lost their child because of this vaccine for a disease they probably won't get and certainly can't kill them. Recent research demonstrates that the spike protein present on the SARS-CoV-2 virus and the induced primary mechanism of action of COVID-19 vaccines are the primary cause of disease, infirmity, hospitalization, and death. Students who have had self-limited cases of COVID-19 already possess antibodies, activated B cells, activated T cells, detectable by lab testing. This durable long-term immunity would not only prevent them from getting recurrent COVID-19, but would also represent herd immunity to protect others in the college or university community. And yes, that actually is how herd immunity works. COVID-19 convalescent students may be harmed by college and university policy requiring COVID-19 vaccines. They already have extensive immunity and would likely be harmed from a forced confrontation with COVID-19 vaccine-induced spike protein, causing autoimmune reactions leading to illness and possible death. Students and their families may justifiably believe these policies discriminate against individuals who aren't candidates for this vaccine, have pre-existing conditions, previous COVID-19 disease, cite religious objections, or are otherwise exercising their free will, choosing not to participate in this optional vaccine experiment. 
refer to the Nuremberg Code from World War II, which requires individuals, quote, to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, any element of force. Institutional policies that permit faculty to choose or refuse vaccination, but do not allow students the same options, raise equal protection constitutional issues. The ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, requires, quote, reasonable accommodations and, quote, be provided based on an individual's own unique health situation. This includes rejection of an experimental vaccine intervention, which may exacerbate known health problems and thereby cause harm. Colleges and universities should consider whether they might be liable for damages, poor health outcomes, and loss of life due to mandatory COVID vaccination policies. Positive cases, as defined by laboratory testing alone, may be false positive testing errors or asymptomatic infection that is not clinically proven to spread disease. Got that? People think that I'm not being honest when I say that. There is no proof anywhere in the world that asymptomatic individuals spread COVID-19. Ambulatory outpatient early treatment for SARS-CoV-2 infection, COVID-19, has been demonstrated effective in adults. Informed consent is the standard for all medical interventions. The FDA fact sheet for the healthcare provider reads, quote, the recipient or their caregiver has the option to accept or refuse Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Please reverse your decision to mandate experimental COVID-19 vaccines before more students are harmed and make the vaccines rightfully optional. Both unvaccinated and vaccinated students should be permitted on campus. Thank you for your time and attention. Excellent letter. All of that is true. And thank goodness that there is a doctor interested in public health who is taking a stand against this heinous, immoral nonsense. Forcing people to get vaccinated for a disease that cannot kill them is inhumane and absolutely wrong. This is crazy. And so to wrap up a Friday full of conspiracy theories, there are two new articles just today from Newsweek's Yuanon Palmer. Let's go to the tape. How Amazon's algorithms recommend QAnon and extremist material to users. Amazon has been accused of helping to spread dangerous conspiracy theories and racist propaganda via its algorithms, suggesting further reading for customers. Off to an amazing start. Really? Amazon has been accused. Okay, I guess someone thinks Amazon is doing something, so you better report it. A report from Think Tank, the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, not exactly good writing, you Anon, details how the online giant appears to recommend anti-vaccine books, extremist material, and QAnon disinformation through its, quote, Customers who bought this item also bought and customers who viewed this item also viewed features. The report also accuses Amazon of cross-pollinating conspiracy theories by suggesting books about QAnon beliefs, quote, in the space of a handful of clicks 
to people who had searched the site for information on COVID-19 vaccines. The Institute found that users who searched for a particular QAnon text were recommended other materials containing 9-11 and anti-Semitic conspiracy theories or books by David Icke, best known for believing that the world is controlled by shape-shifting lizard people. The report said, At the core of this issue is the failure to consider what a system designed to upsell customers on tote bags or fitness equipment or gardening tools would do when unleashed on products espousing conspiracy theories, disinformation, or extreme views. Well, hey, you and on, I see more conspiracy theories every time I open your author page on the Newsweek website. So the Newsweek website is literally pushing out extra disinformation to me. And you know what's crazy? You're the one generating it, you and on. So let me know what's worse. Amazon recommending a book that a person with certain interests might like. Or you actually creating disinformation all week. Quote, the entirely foreseeable outcome is that Amazon's platform is, in effect, inadvertently but actively promoting these ideas to their customers. In a statement to Newsweek, an Amazon spokesperson said, We take the concerns from the Institute for Strategic Dialogue seriously and are committed to providing a positive experience for our customers. Similar to other stores that sell books, We provide our customers with access to a variety of viewpoints, and our shopping and discovery tools are not designed to generate results oriented to a specific point of view. And that's at the point at which UAnon began crying. The report recommended reading Amazon's algorithms, conspiracy theories, and extremist literature points out how the website's autocomplete search function can lead shoppers down recommending rabbit holes. It is odd that the purpose of this report is essentially the same as book burning. And these Nazis just don't realize it at all. They are literally admitting to trying to suppress viewpoints with which they do not agree. And they don't see any problem with it. They don't realize that that is the same thing as book burning. It found that typing vaccine would bring up anti-vaccine books and searching for election generated autocomplete suggestions relating to the baseless claims of voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Oh, isn't that interesting? Wow. You and on. It's really crazy that so many people are interested in reading about the 2020 election in the context of the overwhelming evidence of election fraud. Isn't that crazy that so many people want to read about those baseless claims? And isn't it incredibly embarrassing that all of these pathetic figures in the media continue to use the same phraseology all the time? They're all saying the same things. The big lie, baseless claims, no evidence. Good luck, commies. Good luck. The report also pointed to concerns around Amazon's author pages, using the example of Anton Long, 
founder of the neo-Nazi satanic group, the Order of Nine Angles. This is the first I've ever heard of this. Long, believed to be a pseudonym, has published several books that set out his group's racist ideology. Okay, so we have a group here that no one has ever heard of, and Yuanan does not even know if the guy's name is his real name or not. A click on his Amazon author page brings up recommendations for other extremists, such as Varg Vickerness, a far-right black metal singer known for murdering a rival band member and burning down three churches in the 1990s. Okay. And, like, what do they think is going to happen to people when they read these books? They're going to be like, oh, wow, that sounds awesome. I'm going to go out and burn down three churches. Normal people read this shit, if they even bother reading it at all, and they're like, wow, I guess that guy Varg is crazy. The report said, For most users, these recommendations are at best a useful way of finding new content they are interested in. Well, no, that is exactly what they are. And at worst, an irritation to be harmlessly ignored. Huh? (laughs) For conspiracy theorists, white nationalists, and users perhaps only curiously dipping their toes in the murky waters of extremist or conspiratorial content, however... These recommendations could serve as a gateway into a broader universe of conspiracy theories and misinformation or to increasingly radical far right and white nationalist content. These people are utterly insane. Amazon has been criticized in the past for selling neo-Nazi and anti-Semitic items, as well as extremist texts, such as the race-worn novel The Turner Diaries, which is said to have inspired the 1995 Oklahoma bombing. Well, did it or not? Like, that's 26 years ago. If you're referencing it, you probably could have found out whether or not it was true first. The book was removed from Amazon in January, according to The Verge. The Institute's report was published as Martin Geddes, a QAnon promoter based in the UK, claimed Amazon had removed one of his books from sale for violating its content guidelines. The retailer has been asked for comment. The Institute for Strategic Dialogue acknowledged that the idea of Amazon banning books was a, quote, contentious issue. Oh, thank you. But it pointed to the steps taken by social media giants such as Facebook and Twitter, which, quote, removed explicit QAnon-related content from certain algorithmic recommendation functions in 2020. Oh, got it. So they recognize that what they're doing is book burning, but they say it's okay because Facebook and Twitter do it, too. Now it makes total sense. The report said, quote, if Amazon wishes to keep this type of content on its marketplace, turning off recommendations for these books would at least prevent their own algorithms from promoting it and thereby actively contributing to the spread of conspiracy theories, disinformation or racist beliefs. Well, okay, I guess we understand where these conspiracy theorists minds are at. Can Rachel Maddow's books stay on there? Can David Frum's books stay on there? They made up the Russian conspiracy theory. They still believe it. That's a complete conspiracy theory that was used to divide the country. It was used to undermine the presidency of the United States. 
thereby making the United States weaker in the eyes of the world. And they did it intentionally. Why? Because they're anti-American. They're communists. They support global communism. But that's not a problem. We need to worry about the nearly non-existent problem of white supremacist violence. But before I move on, it feels like it might be worth the time to see what the Institute for Strategic Dialogue actually is. Wikipedia describes it as a London-based think tank concerned with extremism. Its founding CEO is Sasha Havlicek. Now, the ISD has worked with Google to counter hate and extremism in the UK. And by the way, this is a London-based operation. So what their concern is with American conspiracy theories is a bit beyond me. I'm not exactly sure why they're into this, but hey, they do work with Google. And what did they work with Google on? It's called the Google Innovation Fund. The Innovation Fund is designed to support new educational approaches, unique community projects, and cutting-edge technologies, laying the foundations for a more effective, innovative, and cohesive civil society response to hate and extremism in the future. And they have an Internet Citizens Project. Isn't that great? Now let's see who Sasha Havlicek is. On her bio page on the ISD website, it says Sasha Havlicek is co-founder and CEO of ISD. Having spearheaded ISD's pioneering research and data analysis, digital education, policy advisory, training, tech, and communications programs. With a background in conflict resolution and an expertise in extremism, digital information operations, and electoral interference, she has advised a a range of governments at the highest levels and has spearheaded partnerships with the UN, EU Commission, and Global Counterterrorism Forum. She has also worked with the private and civil society sectors to promote innovation, including developing major programs run in partnership with Google, Facebook, and Microsoft. Sasha serves as an expert advisor to the UK Counter-Extremism Commission and the Mayor of London's Counter-Extremism Program. Oh, the Mayor of London. You don't say. Sadiq Khan, that's interesting. Mm, Going on. Oh, she's also a member of the European Council on Foreign Relations. How interesting. I am shocked, by the way. Sasha previously served as Senior Director at the East-West Institute, where she led conflict resolution programming. Sasha has testified before U.S. Congress, the U.K. Parliament, and is a regular commentator in the media. CNN, BBC, Channel 4 News, and other networks. She seems very important. And honestly, I'm going to sleep a little better just knowing she's out there. Thank goodness there is someone protecting us from extremism who is this experienced at working with global communist organizations like the UN, the EU Commission, the Global Counterterrorism Fund, the UK Counter-Extremism Commission, the Mayor of London, and the European Council on Foreign Relations. Oh, but she also runs programs with Google, Microsoft, and Facebook. This is great. I bet Sasha Havlicek is going to save the world with this. Thank God she's on this Amazon cross-referencing book list. Big priorities. It's great to know that she's working on this stuff and not just doing stuff for political advantage. Sometimes I wonder if these people are actually totally naive to the fact 
that they're just being taken advantage of or if they're just legitimately communists who want to do this. But wait, wait, wait. It gets more Yuanan. Here is Yuanan's other beautiful contribution to the world today. Lynn Wood shares post claiming Joe Biden is dead. Trump still in White House. Now, I read all of Lynn Wood's posts. Also, love them. Love the man. Seems like a national hero. And yesterday he put up all these pictures from being in the White House at some point. I don't know when he was there. Apparently he was there in March 2020. And that's when he took the picture with himself and Trump in the Oval Office. All good. Maybe he took the other pictures of the totally empty White House at that time. Maybe he took them some other time. I don't know. But Lynn Wood was having a good time with it. He was posting all these pictures of empty parts of the White House saying that Joey bribes Biden clearly isn't there. And everybody knows that. But let's see what Yuanan has to say about it. The QAnon supporting attorney, Lynn Wood, has posted a bizarre social media story claiming that he saw Donald Trump hanging out and working in the Oval Office this week and suggesting that President Joe Biden is dead. In a series of posts and photos on the encrypted messaging app Telegram, where he has more than 844,000 followers, Wood claimed he went looking for Biden, whom he dubbed Joey Bribes Bandito at the White House. Wow, I thought I might find Joey in the China room making an illegal deal for himself, but nope, no Joey, Wood wrote on Wednesday. Got a bit lonely waiting in this room for Joey, so my executive assistant stopped by to keep me company. Still no Joey in the house. Wood continued, My incredibly efficient executive assistant agreed to wait here in case Joey shows. I left to search other areas of the house for him. Not sure if I can find Joey in the house, so I thought I would check outside, Wood wrote, alongside photos of the White House gardens. 30 minutes into his telegram tall tale, Wood uploaded an old picture of himself and Trump in the Oval Office and suggested the image was from the present day and that Trump was still president. I was right. No Joey in the Oval Office, but I did run into our president of the United States. President Trump is hanging out and working in the office in which he, we reelected him to serve in a historic landslide victory on November 3rd, 2020, Wood wrote. The attorney who is planning to run against Drew McKissick to become the next Republican Party chairman in South Carolina then shared a post from another popular QAnon Telegram account called Ghost Ezra. Ghost Ezra, who has more than 313,000 followers on the app, is known to promote a number of unhinged conspiracy theories too extreme for even other prominent QAnon figures. These include claiming that Biden is dead and has been replaced by a body double or an actor wearing a mask. It is so amazing that Yuanan Palmer is taking this shit this seriously. There is almost nothing that entertains me more than reading these articles about stuff they just completely don't understand. Wood went on, quote, I was going to swing by Castle Rock Studio to search for Joey, but Ghost Ezra suggested I head to this location. Is Ghost trying to tell me something? He then shared a post Ghost Ezra had sent him, a photo of a graveyard with the message, Hey Lynn, check over here. Responding to a request for comment from Newsweek over the posts, Wood said, I have a sense of humor, do you? <laughs> I love it. 
When asked whether it was appropriate for a potential candidate for the South Carolina GOP chair to make jokes about the president being dead and promoting QAnon conspiracy theories, Wood added, I am not aware of any rule that forbids a candidate for office from having a sense of humor while exercising his or her right of free speech. And good for Lynn Wood. Wood, alongside fellow QAnon-supporting lawyer Sidney Powell, first of all, how did they even get off saying this stuff? Sidney Powell should sue QAnon for writing that. Sidney Powell has never made any statement whatsoever in support of Q or QAnon or any conspiracy theories. She has made clear and direct statements based on evidence that she holds. Just because QAnon believes that the Dominion stuff is a conspiracy theory doesn't actually make it one. But back to the article. Alongside fellow QAnon supporting lawyer Sidney Powell spent weeks attempting to overturn the presidential election with their much derided and eventually thrown out Kraken lawsuits. Nope. QAnon, just some more shit you don't understand. The attorney is also a prominent and influential advocate of the radical QAnon conspiracy theory, which considers Trump a savior-like figure who will somehow return as president and continue his secret battle against high-profile satanic pedophiles and the deep state. Well, you're getting closer, QAnon. Wood has openly shown support for QAnon in public appearances in recent weeks, including making a Q gesture with his fingers and saying the movement's best-known slogan, where we go one, we go all. He has also frequently spread misinformation and conspiracy theories about the election result, COVID-19 vaccines, and pedophile rings. And this is interesting because it says it was updated to include Lynn Wood's response, but I could swear that when I read this this morning and added the link to like my list of notes for the show, it talked about the Mike Pence and John Roberts conspiracy theories too. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's hard to give you and on Palmer any credit on any of this. I still have not heard back from you and on about whether or not he'll come on the podcast. I might have to email him again right now. And so I'm going to do that, and I hope you all have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work, and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel-couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'mYourModerator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon, down on the range. It's hell!